2 Corinthians 8, 10 through chapter 9, verse 5. And I'm kind of given this thing a little title of the integrity of stewardship. I could be called of the integrity of giving or the truthfulness of both. Let's read the word of the Lord and then pray that he strengthens us. Beginning in verse 10. I give my opinion in this matter, for this is to your advantage, who were the first to begin a year ago, not only to do this, but also to desire to do it. But now finish doing it also, so that just as there was the readiness to desire it, so there may be also the completion of it by your ability. For if the readiness is present, It is acceptable according to what a person has, not according to what he does not have. For this is not for the ease of others and for your affliction, but by way of equality. At this present time, your abundance being a supply for their need, so their abundance also may become a supply for your need and that there may be equality. As it is written, he who gathered did not have too much, and he who gathered little had no lack. But thanks be to God who puts the same earnestness on your behalf in the heart of Titus. For he not only accepted our appeal, but being himself very earnest has gone to you of his own accord. We have sent along with him the brother whose fame in The things of the gospel has spread through all of the churches. And not only this, but he also has appointed by the churches to travel with us in this gracious work, which is being administered by us for the glory of the Lord himself and to show our readiness, taking precautions so that no one will discredit us in our administration of this generous gift. For we have Regard for what is honorable, not only in the sight of the Lord, but also in the sight of men. We have sent with them our brother, whom we have often tested and found diligent in many things. But now even more diligent because his great confidence in you. As for Titus, he is my partner and fellow worker among you. As for our brethren, they are messengers of the churches, a glory to Christ. Therefore, openly before the churches, show them the proof of your love and our reason for boasting about you. For it is superfluous for me to write to you about this ministry to the saints. For I know your readiness, of which I boast about you to the Macedonians, namely, that Achaia has been prepared since last year, and your zeal has stirred up most of them. But I have sent the brethren in order that our boasting about you may not be made empty in this case, so that, as I was saying, you may be prepared. Otherwise, if the Macedonians come to me and find you unprepared, we, not to speak of you, will be put to shame by this confidence. So I thought it necessary to urge the brethren and that they would go ahead to you and arrange beforehand your previously promised bountiful gift so that the same would be ready as a bountiful gift and not affected by covetousness. Father, help us not to covet. 
Father, help us to hold loosely to the things of this world, understanding that we are but stewards of these precious treasures. And that, Father, all good and perfect gift comes from you. Father, help us to rest in the assurances that 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 you have started, you shall complete. And we are but earthen vessels here for the good pleasure of you who created them. Father, may we understand that giving is a privilege. Giving is a blessing. That giving is a show of our faith towards you. Help us to rest there. Help us to sow bountifully so we may reap bountifully. And Father, help us to be known by that very cause. To your glory and praise, in Christ's name, amen. We're looking at the integrity of, of, of stewardship, is, is what I've called this. And, and the reason is, is that uh, Paul had used the Macedonians as an illustration of this giving. Okay, But then he used Christ, what Christ did, as the ultimate standard of giving. And there's, there's times that I, that I watch people uh, and I watch churches um, badger people. Manipulate people. Uh, they may have a quote unquote project. Uh, I, I had mentioned to you um, several months ago, I guess, uh, about the hospital in um, St. Croix. Um, I ain't done. Uh, I am dealing with the State Department even as we speak. I am dealing also with the government of the Virgin Islands even as we speak. We have our door, our foot in the door of the hospital. They've completely lost all of their accreditation. I have two mega churches on the East Coast who are ready to step up with funding and are willing to start shipping doctors and nurses on intervals so that the hospital will go into effect. Not bad for just one visit, huh? But do you see what I'm trying to get at? We, we look at that and you're like, what is my offer to the Virgin Islands government is that a coalition of churches take over the hospital and get it accredited. Well, that's crazy. Well, not really. Where did hospitals come from? We're just going back to what originally worked well. Okay, and you know, and, and you can pray for me. You guys know how I love dealing with bureaucracy. Okay, I mean, I, I already had to run this thing past the missions committee. And it, gosh, it took me six or seven minutes. So it wasn't that difficult. All right, but now I've got, I have a friend who works for the State Department out of Tennessee. And he says, no, he says, he'll jump right in the middle of it. He says, and he has access to cargo planes. And I said, well, you know, they shut the airport down. And he says, well, I knew they were going to. I didn't know they had done that. And he says, you know, how can I get it in there? I said, everybody I've talked to is float planes. You fly into San Juan and then you get float planes and they're landing everything in harbors right now. And uh, I have a church that's on the grounds in St. Croix that God has put into my life. And they said, and three of the head nurses of the hospital attend his church. One is the training nurse who does all the trainings for the nurses. But they can't get doctors. Nobody wants to go there. They do not receive Medicaid or Medicare. So you'd basically be going down for free. And yet it's a U.S. territory. 
Well, how can a little church? I ain't going to do this. I, I, I'm calling everybody that I know saying, hey, you want to do something really stupid? So, you know, because I had someone make the comment. People have asked me. I have a statement that I make. When I'm at restaurants and things like that. Is there anything else you can get me? And I always make this statement. Yeah, a trip to Barbados. And everybody's like, what? And I was like, yeah, trip to Barbados. But perhaps I need a trip to St. Croix. No, <laughs> I don't know about landing on the water. But I look at stuff like that, and I don't know. I have no idea. I know that Skip came into my life, and it's not by random chance. And we sat at a little place called the American uh, Burger House. And uh, we sat in, huh? Cheeseburger in Paradise. And we were sitting there eating a great burger. And he was telling me what was going on in St. Croix and how they had lost all of these jobs. You had one place closed down and there was 4,800 jobs lost. And uh, and it's just falling apart. He says, but the church is standing strong. It used to be you had white churches and Indies churches uh, and African churches. He says, but when everybody loses their jobs, it's it's kind of funny because you lose that. And he says and he's got all of that it's where they play uh, Amazing Grace on Calypso drums. And you just never know anymore what you can hear these days. Okay. But I share that because you look at that and you say this is an island that is in need. Cruise ships have stopped going there because the crime is so high. All right. Well, listen, you just took the refinery out of the mix. Now you've got no tourism going in there. Um it's going to get stranger before it gets better. But that, isn't that how God does it? Same thing was happening with the churches here that Paul is dealing with. The church in Jerusalem, the first mega church, was in serious trouble. I mean, you swell, you can't really get a good number. I mean, you figure two sermons that Peter preached. Uh, one was 3,000, one was 5,000 men were saved. Were they all single men? Were any of them married? If they were married, did they have any kids? Okay, you you went from 500 people who were a little hesitant that they had just killed their leader to now you got somewhere between 10 and 20,000 people who don't have anywhere to go. Oops. And they don't have jobs. Perfect. How can I know if the ministry is one of integrity? How can I know that? How can I know that this is legitimate? How can I know that this is what God is doing? I mean, there's all kinds of people who've got dreams. Okay? And they, they may be, bless their hearts, I'm doing this for Jesus. My question is always, is this what Jesus wants done? I don't know. I don't know. So what we're doing here, I got nine points and we're working our way through this. In verse 10, we find that it is Paul's opinion in this matter. Why? This will be to your advantage. Okay? You were the first to begin it. And you were the first to desire to do so. They had heard what was going on in the church in Jerusalem. And the church in Corinth says, let's take up money 
and give to this to help the saints in Jerusalem. Paul's seen it as the Gentile churches reaching around now and actually serving to the Jewish churches. The Jews are still struggling with Gentiles, really? All right? And so all of a sudden they would see the saints unified in one, helping one another. Okay? But it was in his opinion, so it was voluntary. The Corinthians had it in their heart to do it. And they had a desire to do it. And they had started beginning to do it. Okay, the second thing was, finish it. Verse 11. Now finish it. (laughs) Finish doing this thing. Take it to completion. A stewardship with integrity finishes the task. Okay? It's voluntary. You know, I'm not going to run a bunch of poor, starving kids in front of you and saying, here, we got to do this. Okay, I'm not going to do this. I see this all the time, especially this time of year. You see poor, pitiful, whatever, fill in the blank, and you've got to help. Um, That's manipulation. It's manipulation. Then once you step into it, Will you be faithful to it? We've got enough years. I have always had a concern dealing with the pastors that we have taken on in Russia and and the ministries that we had in Russia. If something happened to me, would you continue? Okay, because I get people say, well, you must be Slavic because you have all of this going on in Russian. And I'm like, no, I ain't Slavic. I'm, I'm not. Oh. Well, then why are you doing Russia? Because they wanted the book. That's how it started. Take them the book. What we're doing in India. Take them the book. What we're doing in Myanmar. Take them the book. What the door that is opening in Georgia and Uzbekistan. They want the book. The door that is open for the Russian Jews in Israel. I'm seeing a pattern. Okay. In that is where everything else opens. All right. We got involved in the orphanages after like my fourth trip. Why? Because I saw their faithfulness to the truth of Scripture. And it got bigger. And it grew. And it's doing it's doing what it does. But it all came out of the same foundation. We were all unified because we all had the same focus. That's what the Apostle Paul's doing. We have the same focus. Remember chapter 7. Everything, there had been reconciliation. Why? He brought truth to bear to their arrogance. And they repented. It was their arrogance that allowed them to be deceived on the distractions and the false accusation people were bringing against Paul. So finish it. Okay, but I want to show you something here because it's really kind of cool. Second part of verse 11 and verse 12. Look what it says. They had this readiness to desire it. We've looked at that. So there may also be a completion of it. How? By your ability. Giving as one has. 
Okay, it does. See, that negates 10 percent. That negates you have to give a minimum of whatever. Why? Because there are people who are poor and there are people who are wealthy. Give as one has. All right. It's uh, integrity calls for an amount that is proportionate to what a person has. One of the great tragedies that I've seen with these uh, uh, television evangelists. They're preying on people who are on fixed incomes who can't get out. And they think that they're helping. And these people are living high and mighty off the backs of the extraordinarily poor and the disabled. Why? They get on TV and they can cry and they can weep and they can manipulate and they can badger. They can warn you that hell is coming and they can do all this stuff and nobody can say it's a question. They just do it. And the people, oh, I got to do it. You know, this is my last $10. And you can't do that. You can't do that. It is by your ability. And, and, and the literal Greek here is out of what you have. Okay. According to your means. Remember um, in First Corinthians 16 verse 2. As God has prospered you. Give out of that. It, giving as one has, uh, it's proportionate. Uh, back up, verse 3. I testify according to their abilities. Speaking of the Macedonians. Beyond their abilities. Again, the Macedonians were giving of their own accord. It was voluntarily and it was done according to what they had. See an emphasis here. For if the readiness is present in verse 12, look at that. It means if my heart says I need to do this, you know what that means? The readiness is present. It's one of the things that I've watched. I've been in this church long enough and, and I've dealt with a lot of people uh, and a lot of different situations uh, of, of quote unquote ministry and all the rest of it. And I have watched people in the body of Christ specifically this church, who had gotten themselves into financial distress, okay? And they did it by mismanaging their money. Let me be specific about that. Okay? And all of a sudden, a real need of the gospel came forward. Their heart was moved to do it, but they weren't in the position to do it. And it broke their hearts. And they would come to me. You know, they'd do it in private. And they said, I've messed this up. I don't have the funds. I want to do it. I have seen others. And I told you when our balloon note came due on the property, on our building downtown, people were bidding on who could pay it off. But they had put themselves in position... That they hadn't squandered their resources, got themselves head over heels in debt. That when the need of the body of Christ arose, they were ready. They were ready. 
There was a readiness in the Corinthians. It was present. They had an eagerness. There was a readiness in the Macedonians. They were willing of mind. Yes, this is God doing this. Let's do this. See, God doesn't want one to give what he doesn't have. Okay? And you know what? I've known people in the ministry that we've had here, whether it had been in summer camps that were running short of funds, they sold assets so they could meet a need on the other side of the planet. They sold things. And they looked at it and they said, you know what? That stuff going on over there is way more important than this. You know, one guy I think of in particular sold his fishing boat. I still think that was blasphemous, but that's beside the point. Okay? But he sold it. I know a guy sold his motorcycle. And you're like, all right. But I do know this. If I hold on to it too tight, there will come a time when God will yank it out of your hands. So if I hold on to it loosely, that's fine. If he needs it, great. If he doesn't need it, that's fine. And I watch people who go through these things. Remember back, was it 10, 15 years ago? Everybody wanted to refinance. Just refinance. Get a HELOC. Home equity line of credit. Everybody. And we'll give it to you. Like one point percent for 90 days. And we all went and did it. And I'll use it for paying off my credit cards. Why? So I can run them up again. And everybody says, well, I can't understand why I lost my shirt. Because you spent it. It wasn't yours. He doesn't ask us to give what we don't have. He doesn't say this is the amount. This is my opinion, Paul said. God is saying, whatever you have is the resource out of what You should give. You don't go into debt to serve Christ. Please understand that. You don't have to spend what you don't have. You know what? One of the greatest industries that are going on in the evangelical churches right now. You know what it is? Credit card machines. It is amazing what I watch. They got them now that you can just stick them on your cell phone and pass it around. Really? That's how we get our donations? It is extraordinarily popular today. You have no idea how popular it is. Giving money that isn't theirs. God doesn't expect that. His concern. Now, you've got to get this. I, I listen to people. I just heard a sermon this week on giving. And I, it, uh, I wanted to reach through the radio. You know, can I choke him on the air? But anyway. Okay. Because I know what he was doing. You see it all the time. Listen. God's concerned with your giving. Okay, every one of your giving, not my giving, your giving. 
Okay? Let me tell you what his main concern is, what you give. The readiness to do it. Are you ready to do it? If the readiness is present, it is acceptable. Why? Because God is looking at the heart. He's looking at the heart. Beyond that, what man has. Listen, he never asked more than your present resources are permitted. Even to the Macedonians. Uh, when I first started attending church, um, I was in construction. Okay? May to about mid-September. Wow! Okay? Then October came. Alright? And if you didn't do it right, December was tough. But not as tough as January and February. Okay, Um, I have a friend who is a rancher. He gets one paycheck a year. One paycheck. Can you budget for a year? Here's my paycheck. I get one paycheck a year. Whoa. And you better hope beef prices are up when you get that one paycheck. That's hard to do. Why? Because you start coming back around to the end of the year. I don't care how well you budgeted. Guess what? It starts getting tight. Right? Uh, Some of you get paid weekly. Some of you get paid every two weeks. Some of you get paid monthly. However you get paid, you have to make it work through that, that stretch of time. Right? So you give according to your... Resources. When you when I was in construction, there was times there were no resources. Okay, uh, in the early eighties, I had uh, a framing crew. Actually, I had two framing crews. One we did track homes. Uh, we did all the models that uh, went into founders when they were just doing founders. But we were also doing custom homes. Founders, and we were getting about a buck eighty a square foot to frame, side, and trim. Okay, customs, you were getting 475. Okay, about 83, poof, big flushing sound showed up. Okay, they basically said, we've got some custom homes we would like for you to do, but we will give you a buck 75 to do them. I lost everything I had. Had to liquidate my home, all of, most of my tools, and, and release all of my comp- My company had to shut down to pay off the men that I owed. And then I had to go fight some big home constructions for my money. I ended up uh, about 45 cents on the dollar. That wasn't really quite that much. All right? I ran out of resources. There just wasn't nothing there. All right. That, that's what happens. There's times that you'll be in the church and you will be working and you'll be doing good. And all of a sudden you get laid off and you're like, hey, I can't do this. Well, if you've taken care of yourself, okay, you'll be all right. All right. You planned ahead. You had some. You saved away. You were honored to God. When God had a need, you met that need. And he promises to take care of you. He says, he walks in my righteousness. He shall never thirst or hunger. Now, do you believe that? You have to have a readiness that is there. God is after the heart. 
That's what this is all about. Beyond that, he never asks you to give what you ain't got. There's times that we have more resources than others. There's other times that, you know, the resources run low. Even the Macedonians who gave to their abilities and beyond their abilities a very poor region could only give what they had. God isn't asking us to give beyond our abilities. You know, let's go out and get a second on our home so I can give to Jesus. No. You know, I have people say, well, you know, pray, I'm wanting to buy a car. What do you want me to pray? Well, you know, I get a loan. Take care of your credit, you'll get a loan. You don't need God. If God gives it, He'll just give you a car. They gave more than... The Macedonians gave more than they could have imagined as poor as they were. That's what amazed Paul. Paul understood the poverty of the church in Macedonia, the Bereans, Thessalonica, and Philippi. He understood how poor those people were. And he says, I know what they gave, and it is amazing in the, the amount that they gave in that poverty. Now, God's not saying you should all give to the point of impoverishment. Okay, he's not asking us. He didn't ask the Macedonians. Macedonians had an abundance of grace from God that moved on their heart that they made sacrifices in their day to day routine so that they could give more. They had an unusual amount of grace. But I, I, I really need to emphasize this. We don't ask to give beyond what we have abilities for. You can't go and give ahead of schedule. Well, I'm hoping to get a raise here in a month. I'll go ahead and give that. And then you find out you didn't get it. You may be sacrificial in your giving. I don't want, want you to confuse it. If God moves it on your heart, maybe you're willing to uh, give up something. Who knows? I mean, if you think about it, the heart is willing. And if, if, if we're being asked to give to a specific thing, then it is according to what we have. The Macedonians gave an unusually large amount for people so poor. Okay. And they could only give what they had. Listen, when the Macedonians give, it wasn't like they could put it on MasterCard. They had to give it what resources they had. Maybe the Macedonians decided, you know what? This is a tremendous need in Jerusalem. Our fellow brothers and sisters are suffering in poverty down there. Instead of eating three meals a day, I'll eat two. And I'll save a little money. It's amazing. After all my kids moved out of the house, I realized how much I spent in groceries. I eat better now than I did when the kids were there. And I don't spend an eighth of what I had when they were here. And I thank my king. <laughs> Sorry. There's no fixed amount. There's no percentage. You don't do it to impoverish yourself. And you give only of that of what you are able. You know what? Maybe God moves on your heart that this is an important endeavor we are entering into. And I can give up some luxury. 
I can give up some of the stuff, the curtains in the house, the carpet in the house, the new furniture, the old furniture, the big TV, the little TV, the whatever it is. Maybe I can say, you know what, maybe I don't need that. You shall follow the lead of the Macedonians. When your heart is moved, you may give more than anyone would have assumed that you are capable of. Let me bring this to your attention. Mark's gospel, and I've shared this over this stretch for a while. Mark's gospel, chapter 12, verse 41. Jesus sitting outside of the treasury, watching people. Okay, watching people give to the temple. Remember, the widow came up and she gave two copper coins. That's one cent. Okay, Jesus says she gave more than all the rest. But she gave a penny. Well, it was on her heart. And it was obvious it was on her heart. Now, let me tell you, a penny that she gave, that was the average day wage. Okay? Now, think about that for a second. She's a widow. She's probably some kind of agrarian or seamstress or something like that. And she gave... Two copper coins, which would have been a penny. And that's a day's wages. So she was willing to do without a day's wages. Because God moved on her heart. That's impressive. That's impressive. In her poverty, she put all she owned for a day. Perhaps she's decided that day I will fast. You know, I, I hear people talk about fasting all the time. Basically, fasting is giving up something that is important to you for God. That's what fasting is. There's not a lot. People get into this, you know, I'm going to fast and pray and fast and pray and fast. There's not a lot of that in the Bible. I hate to break the news to you. Okay. But fasting is, am I going to give up something that's important to me for the furtherance of Christ? That's fasting. I'm a diabetic, insulin dependent. You don't want me to fast. Trust me. I want a few people on the planet Earth that it is a good thing that I eat and often. And they're like, wow, how did you get away with that? It's not worth it. Trust me. Okay, but there are things that I give up. Say, no, I think this is going to be better. I think this is going to be better. Out of her poverty, she gave a day's wages. You know what? I'm not saying that that makes you more spiritual or less spiritual. I'm saying, what does your heart say? Your heart. I don't care about your wife's heart. I don't care about your kid's heart, your husband's heart. I want to know what your heart tells you. Right? I am not a salesman. I am not here saying, Castle Rock Baptist Church, let's everybody ante up. We're going to buy us a hospital in the Caribbean. Okay? That ain't what I'm saying. I'm asking you a question. What does your heart say in your giving? Just a question. Listen, you're not to starve yourself. I shall not eat for a month so I can give. Okay, because I know about the 28th or 29th day, you are going to be unbearable to live around.
Perhaps you just need to say no to some luxury. We have a lot of luxury in the United States, in Castle Rock. God is reasonable. He asks that we give out of what we have. Okay? Now then, let me give you an implication on that. Because you know there will be. If you have a lot, how much should you give? That's the implication. Only give out of what is your abilities. If you're poor and you give a day's wages, that is an extraordinarily massive amount. If you're very wealthy and you give a day's wages, you may not even know it. See how that works? Giving according to what resources you have. Do you understand? We looked at this in depth a few months ago. Everything you have, did you not receive as a gift from somebody? I don't care what it is. One of the things that I'm grateful about is that I was born in the United States. Okay? I think that's a tremendous gift. All right? I like that idea. Okay? So whatever has been given to you, you as a steward understand that God gave... I don't even care what it is. I don't care what your job is. The talent you have to do your job came from where? From God. The money that you make, that ability comes from God. The fact that there is money comes from God. The preciousness that mankind puts his hopes in came from God. Listen, if I have a minimal resources, then I give minimal. If I have maximum resources, I should give a lot. And you know what? I love you guys. But no different than the Corinthians, we make excuses. Okay? The but what if. (laughs) You know, yeah, what if? What if my resources are down? Listen, then God doesn't expect you to give what you don't have. I explained to you that. When I was in construction, there was times that I gave way in excess. And there's other times that I didn't give anything. Why? There ain't no money coming in. I can't give you air. But he does expect giving out of what we have, understanding what we have, where did it come from? The gifts should reflect where we are. I think about that poor widow in Zeminka give me a bag of eggs. I have no money. But God sent you to teach me that text. I was struggling with it. And I thank you that you responded to God. And here, and hands me a bag of eggs. With God, listen. It is not the amount. Okay? Please understand. It isn't the tithe 
Uh, It isn't any of those things. It is the heart. Remember, he wants a cheerful giver. Why? I want that to be on my heart, and therefore I gave as God moved on my heart. Listen, here's the thing. Do you know how cool that is? That means there's no gift that is too small. You ever thought about that? That's amazing to me. There's no gift that is too small. The only small is when it comes from one with much. Then it's small. But that shows your heart. And you know what's really neat about it? Jesus was standing at the treasury of the temple and he was watching the people give. Right? Everybody. Everybody came in. He could, And you can hear the coins hitting the little trumpet-shaped containers. You could hear it. You knew what was going on. You know what? He's still watching. And if you have a lot and you're giving a little, you don't think he don't know that? He knows. He knows where you get your resources. He knows your resources before you do. He also knows how your heart is and how you will respond to what he has on the uh, needing done. No gift is too small. The only gift that is too small is the one that comes with a person who has much. According to our resources that are available. Listen, there's no place for high pressure. There's no place for manipulation. And and let me be honest with you. Is that often seen or what? You know, I, jeez. It's disgusting. So many that I see on television and hear on radio and things like that. And you know what? In many churches, uh, I know a number of the institutions around here. And I know what the leadership is doing in the name of stewardship drives. There's a church in this community right now that every year wants to see your adjusted rate of income so they can badger you for a year on what your giving is. You know what's amazing to me? People keep going to it. <laughs> the first time a pastor comes up and says, I want to see your adjusted gross income, I'm going to say, let me show you something. <laughs> and it ain't going to be my adjusted gross income. Okay? No. God's looking at the heart. He's always looked at the heart. It's not a new revelation, but we act like it is. Well, my money is my money. Really? No, it's His. And what you believe and trust Him is reflected on what you give Him. So many promise today. Health. Healing. Prosperity. I will pray for you. Guy was getting $100 for a prayer towel. And they feel like that he probably... He, he send you a towel and you write the prayer request on the towel and send him a $100 bill and he would pray. Dude, I'll do it for 50 I got a deal going on. Buy one, get one free. And you know what? They think he made almost $2 million. That's a bunch of little prayer towels. And I'm sitting there going, what kind of... Never mind. That wasn't a godly word getting ready to come out of my mouth. (laughs) 
I don't know who's crooked here. The guy sent him the $100 or the guy who asked for it. I've seen it over and over and over. Wealth and prosperity. And you'll be blessed a thousand times if you give me $100. And yada. I remember the first baptism that I ever did. Or the second baptism I ever did. My first one was a sprinkle. Don't hold that against me as a Baptist. He had a trach. If I'd have baptized him, he gets to see Jesus. <laughs> and I'm thinking, I don't want to be responsible for that. Oops. Sorry. Um, the second baptism I did, the guy was going through a real tough pastor in his life and he said will you baptize i said sure yeah and i baptized him and i tell you what he was so ecstatic i thought he was gonna go right up to the roof i just thought he'd come up out of the water and bye see because he was he was he was borderline walking on water and so i had a message that evening and when i got done uh, with the message he came up to me and he says i need to talk to you and i was like uh-oh here we go and he comes over and he has five $100 bills. He says, here, I want you to have this. And I said, for what? And he says, you baptized me. And I said, I charge a thousand. No. <laughs> well, what was you thinking? And I said, I ain't taking your money. I said, put it in an envelope. We'll give it to the church. No, you, you helped me and you healed my marriage. And I said, I didn't do nothing. Okay. And he wanted to give me $500 for baptizing him. And all I did was say, do you believe this? Read this text. You believe that? You do? Well, there. Didn't do it. Okay? And so that's all I did. But he he was ecstatic. But I didn't promise him health, wealth, and prosperity. And and they did. They had a had a bumpy time of it, and they still go through their bouts. And he still contacts me every once in a while and says, Yo, it's a mess again. Can you come and see me? No. <laughs> Okay, now let me show you something. We've gone through three points. I want you to think about this for a second, okay? And I told you I was going to hammer you on this. Okay, so I don't want you to act like, oh, he's being mean now. You were warned months ago. Okay? Integrity in our giving, integrity in our stewardship. One is voluntary. Okay? Two is faithful. And three is giving as one has. Okay, now I want to show you something. If it's voluntary, it's of the heart. If it's to be finished in its completion, it is of the heart. If it is as I one has, it is of the heart. I wonder if any of the rest of these will fit that. Well, I guess we'll find out over the next 92 weeks. <laughs> you guys think I'm kidding. <laughs> I love you. Lord, thank you. Thank you that it is a heart issue and that, Father, you have poured your love into our hearts by your spirit. That we, it's no longer we who live, but it is Christ who lives in us. Thank you, my King. Thank you. Thank you for the blessings that you have poured so graciously upon this congregation over years, Lord. I praise you for what you have done in the hearts of these people. And even, Father, those people who were trained here and have gone forth. Thank you. I stand in awe and absolute humility of the awesome things that you do. Lord, help us. If we're struggling with our finances, Father, I beg you, anyone in this place, if they're struggling, May they bow before the King of kings and Lord of lords and allow you to be ruler 
over even their shekels. And Father, I pray. I pray that we will see a hand of an awesome God bless and do exceedingly abundantly beyond what we could ever think or imagine because of our obedience and dealing in stewardship with the massive riches that you've poured on us. Thank you, my King. And we praise you. Thank you. In Christ's name, amen.